Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 14 of Nebraska Soccer Talk. I'm your host, Joe Cleary. This week, we have our first interview since Episode 10, as I am joined by Lexington High School Girls Assistant Coach, Jesse Hall, to talk about his soccer background, the Lexington soccer community, and the Lexington Minute Maids soccer program. Outside of the interview, I have the standard Nebraska soccer news update, recruiting update, and of course, some more high school soccer talk. As a reminder, we bring out new rankings every two weeks, so while many, well, as many of you know, there will be some changes to those rankings, but they are not happening this week. The high school talk on this week will mainly just be general info. What won't be in this episode is a preview of the Metro Soccer Tournament. Earlier this AM, there were brackets for the boys and girls floating around, and we definitely shared them on Twitter. Thankfully, there were some Class A coaches on either side that helped clarify that the seating and wildcard points were incorrect and that those brackets may be changing. Updated brackets have not been released at the time of recording, so that is something that will be missing from this. That said, if you want a preview of the brackets when they do get released, please consider subscribing to our Venmo or Patreon. Jack Hoover and I will be working on a preview where we look at first-round matchups and potential matchups in the quarters, semis, and finals. As a reminder, you can join our Patreon and become a patron patron for $2 a month, or you can become a supporter via Venmo where your contribution will be prorated to your support. I would like to thank Andy Long, Johnny Travis, Trevin Keverzaghi, Heather Taggart, Tamara Rarden, Holly Rolantano, and Scott Hove for their support this week, and as well as Sandra Fries, and for joining our supporter club. To support, you can visit www.patreon.com slash Nebraska underscore talk or www.venmo.com slash Nebraska underscore talk. Remember to follow us on Twitter and rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends. Let's get to the show. I am here with sophomore Madison Rhodes from Millard West. Madison scored the game winner in the 2-1 victory over Pavilion La Vista South tonight. Madison, you had you had kind of a quiet first half. What was your mindset going into the second half uh, that kind of helped you pick things up? Um, so in the first half, I was kind of nervous, but in the second half, our team just like hyped us up and like we were all getting confident and trusting in each other more. So I feel like with the team's help on me, like that made me push through. You scored a beautiful goal, and we'll get to that in a second, but like almost 30 seconds before, you hit both posts, which you don't see very often. What what was going through your head when you hit that one that hit both posts? Well, I thought it was going to go in, so I got excited. Then it like just hit the post, and I was like, oh, my gosh. So then I had to redeem myself, so I just like – Yeah, and talk talk about your – talk about your – the game winner. I mean, you hit it. You hit it so well. Talk, like talk through that goal a little bit. What was what was going through your head? What did you see? Um, I remember I got a pass from my teammate. I don't remember who, but I was dribbling at the goalkeeper. I remember in my past goals when I kept dribbling, like the goalie would get it. So I just hit it early because I feel like that's what works best for me. Yeah, you put your foot through it. A uh, couple questions about the season so far. Uh, kind of an up and down season for you guys, um, but it it seems like you and Abby uh, Hudiger right is are pretty difficult yeah. to deal with up top. Yeah. Uh, do you enjoy playing with Abby, or do you think you guys work well together? Yeah, I enjoy playing with Abby because I feel like our energy builds off each other, and we have great pressure up top, so I love working with her. All right, good. Well, hopefully that you stay healthy and, and uh, keep rolling. What are your What are your hopes and expectations and goals for this year as a young as a young Millard West team? Um, I just hope that I can beat my goal difference from last year. Okay. And I hope that my team can make it to state because I know with our hard work and our 
chemistry together that we'll do good this season. All right, one last question. It's kind of cool seeing, obviously, I know your sister because I mm-hmm. coached her and recruited her to Wayne State College, but also there's a lot of younger siblings on this team from past, mm-hmm. like, good, you know, very good Wildcat teams. What's it like being, like, the next generation, obviously? Um, it feels like I have to, like, we have to continue something because we didn't have a chance. Our seniors right now didn't have a chance to be with the seniors from the champion winning team from yep. 2019, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, because of COVID, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we have to do well for them. So I feel like we're working for each other and just working hard. Well, good stuff. Thank you for uh, joining me tonight, and good luck mm-hmm. the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you to Madison for staying after in the cold and talking to me. It was good to catch up with her um, and her dad. I recruited Madison's sister, Morgan, to Wayne State. So it was good to catch up with all of them. Um, and also th- thank you to any player or coach who stays after the games to, to talk to me. I feel like my interviewing skills are getting a little bit better. Um, so that also makes things um, easier to listen to and probably easier for them to talk. Uh, the last game I went to wasn't technically a game of the week, but Saturday was too nice out not to get to a game. So I hopped in my car and went over to Lincoln to check out Lincoln East versus Millard North boys. It was a competitive game and I won't go too in depth on my thoughts. Cause I had already, sh- I've already shared them on Twitter. So if you want to go see those, um, you can, you can go onto Twitter and see um, my screenshots that I posted from my notes. Uh, but it was a big win for Millard North. Uh, they are now 500 after having a tough start to the season. And it was a tough loss for Lincoln East, who also took a loss to Lincoln Southeast earlier in the week. I think both teams played hard. And I just think if these are the teams that some of the higher seeds are going to see in their district tournament games for their chance to go to state, it's going to be a wild district tournament week. Um, so, but I'm excited to see where both teams, both of these teams go and how they, how they move on from this game uh, from the Saturday. Uh, this week's games of the week are going to have a class B flavor to them. Uh, we've been really focused on class A and I know the Metro tournament's coming up. But with, with the, the, there's just so many Class A games and so many Metro Tournament games, I'm not going to be able to get to them all. So I decided to just, we'll still like retweet and cover them, but we're going to give live coverage to the Class B teams because we haven't really done that much this year. Um, so like I said, this week's Game of the Week, Games of the Week are going to have a Class B flavor to them. On Tuesday, I'm going to be heading over to Ron Cauley Catholic High School to watch as the highly ranked Norris Girls soccer team come into town to take on the Pride. And then on Thursday... I'm going to be making a little bit shorter trip for me um, up to Bennington to watch the currently undefeated Badgers um, host the Elkhorn North Wolves on the boys' side of things. So I'm excited about both those games. I'm excited to see some of the top-ranked teams and see what they can do. Um, Before we head into this week's interview, though, uh, let's take out a word from our sponsor. This week's interview is brought to you by our sponsor, Fleet Feet Sports. Fleet Feet is a local family-owned and operated store that is part of a network of specialty running, walking, and fitness stores across the country. Fleet Feet serves a wide range of active individuals from people who are on their feet at work to those who go on leisurely walks to those who are running marathons. Fleet Feet will help you stay healthy and active. Fleet Feet has locations in Omaha and Lincoln. For more information, visit www.fleetfeet.com. This week's guest is someone who was an original supporter of ours last year and has been a good source and connection for Nebraska Soccer Talk outside of the metro area. Coach Jesse Hall is an assistant for the Lexington High School girls soccer team. Hall grew up playing soccer in Blair before moving to Lexington. In this conversation, we talk about his soccer background, how he got into coaching, the Lexington soccer community, and the Lexington High School girls soccer team from last year and this year. I hope you enjoy. 
All right, everyone, I have a very special interview after a couple weeks of not having any interviews on the Nebraska Soccer Talk podcast. I welcome on Lexington High School girls assistant coach, Jesse Hall. Uh, Jesse had a pretty busy day yesterday uh, traveling to Crete with uh, all the Lexington girls programs. Um, so we really appreciate him joining me on this uh, Sunday morning um, so we can get the podcast out tonight. Jesse, thanks for coming on. Yeah, I really appreciate you having us on. Um, our girls got wind that I was going to be on today because my son broke the news. So they're all pretty excited about hearing their coach on today as well. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And, and we're excited to bring, um, you know, some attention and, and some uh, some of um, good news from like what you guys are all doing out in Lexington and in, in your soccer community out there. But let's start with you first before we get into Lexington. Um, you originally from the Blair area, grew up playing soccer there. Um Talk a little bit about like what what's the the soccer community like out in Blair because I know it, it's it's pretty adjacent to the metro area but it still has its own challenges at times. Yeah, Blair was uh, we had just you know a bunch of dads coming out coaching us. It wasn't like a big club, um, you know, paying club fees and paying big money for coaches. It was dads trying to learn the game of soccer and then trying to teach us at the same time and. Um, coach Todd Wick, who coached the high school, who started that program up there. Um, he ran a lot of camps and uh, the high school staff um, really got involved in the younger teams um, early, um, like when we're in third, fourth, fifth grade. And that's what all of our recesses were because they were all coaches. And they're the ones that kind of really helped push the development of the players and the coaches. And they were always there to help kind of build that community there. That's awesome. And, and speaking of getting involved in the younger ages, it sounds like you were pretty involved in, in coaching early on. You started, remember uh, in our messages that we exchanged, you started when you were like 16 coaching youth soccer. How, how did you get, how did you get into coaching? Like what, what got you wanting to start so young? Yeah, they just, um, uh, we had like a lot of you at U7, U8, U9 age, and they just needed volunteers. And they just came up to the high school and say, who, who wants to, you know, who wants to help? Um, and they kind of really hit up the high school players. And um, I just decided to step in and it was like, it was crazy fun. Um, I think uh, our, uh, I coached the U7 girls team and they uh, be like, what do you guys want your team name to be? And they chose the gold diggers. And, but not like, <laughs> not like, not like gold diggers, but like goal diggers. So like they all went to score goals and it was, uh, it was pretty cute. And a lot of those girls, they just graduated about um, it would have, you know, probably about five, six years ago, they just came up and graduated through high school. So it was kind of cool to see a couple of them still playing um, at that time. But yeah, that's where it all started. U7 yeah. girls soccer. There we go. And I have a little connection to Blair because I coached at Wayne State. And uh, one of my one of my stronger players uh, who played up at Wayne State for me was Natalie Reck. Um, and I know she's part of Blair soccer and the Blair community, but um Family moved from Blair uh, in the Omaha area out to Lexington. Um, what are some of the same challenges that Blair and Lexington face as soccer communities? Yeah, I think both teams or both communities, um, Blair, I think, has more girls that participate in the sport. 
Um, I think between Blair and Lexington, we have the same number of players that probably come through club. Um, the, the, there's only really one difference. We don't have enough girls playing at a younger age in Lexington. Um, but I think the communities are roughly about the same size. Lexington's actually a little bit bigger. Um, I think over the years, <clears throat> um, especially since probably like 2009, Lexington has really embraced soccer. Um, I haven't been in the Blair community for you know a while now, but um, it was definitely, we had a ton of support, um, you know, obviously being a consistent powerhouse through the nineties into the early two thousands. Right. Um, people really jumped on board um, and supported us year round. Yeah. And, and what are some different challenges? Cause I mean, I, I, I know one off the top of my head, just knowing Nebraska geography, like one of the ch different challenges is Blair's much closer to the, the two biggest Metro areas than Lexington, but what are some maybe other challenges that, um, you know, your high school girls program faces or just the soccer community in general faces out in Lexington versus uh, a community like Blair? Yeah, it's easy to say it on the club side. Um, teams just don't come out here and play us. So right. we have to drive to Lincoln, you know, every other weekend and we have to play double headers for our club teams. And that's sometime a lot in the summertime when we ask a bunch of eight, nine-year-olds to play two games um, on a hot, you know, summer day in Lincoln with no shade anywhere. Um, so that um, that's probably our, our biggest issue. And then not having transportation, because if it's on Saturdays, our parents can't always take work off and, and drive the kids there. So we actually have coaches here purchasing their own private vehicles, larger vans to be able to take their teams to game. Um, so on the high school side, it's it's actually kind of like a little bit different from Blair and Blair. We grew up playing on a football field. Right um, at Crantz Field. So when we got to state, it was like, oh my gosh, this field is a mile long and <laughs> I can't see the other side. And it was like really tough to kind of adapt to that, especially when it was at Seacrest on turf because we like never played on turf. And then um, now it's kind of the opposite. Yesterday we went to Crete and it was on a football field and our girls haven't played on a field that small yet. And uh, so it was a little bit difficult to adapt to that, especially like on crosses and corners. Um, right. We kind of struggled with those balls coming through because everything was different, but we adapted well and they did well. Yeah. And, and I and kind of touching on that a little bit, like I haven't been out to Lexington, but just from the videos and pictures I've seen, like you, you guys have a nice, nice setup there for, for fields out in Lexington, especially when the, when the weather cooperates, it can be, you have a nice little field out there. Yeah, we definitely need a lot more trees. Um, it's always windy here. Um, <laughs> it kind of, uh, strews like our some of the score lines here um, just because I mean you're not only playing the opponent you're playing the wind and I think we've yet to play a home game where it hasn't been like 30 mile per hour gusts like during the game so it really affects things but we have nice two nice big full-size fields um, that we get to play on and our city of Lexington um, helps us kind of manicure those and and they take it you know feedback from us on things we can improve Next year, actually, this summer, we're getting a new turf field at the high school. Oh, um, awesome. So we will, we'll be playing on turf next year. And those fields that we play on now, I think, might be used for JV or reserve games or middle school games. Um, so we're looking forward to be able to play underneath the lights and more fans being able to get there on turf. Yeah, and then not have, not having to worry, because obviously we've all experienced the last couple of weeks of not having to worry about postponements or cancellations because of – or as many postponements or cancellations because of uh, – rain or snow um 
So to talk more about Lexington, a lot of times when Nebraska soccer community people hear Lexington high school soccer, they they automatically default and think, oh yeah, their boys program has been, you know, super good producing a bunch of like really talented players, which they do. Um, but the girls program has emerged in, um, in the last several years, especially um, and like last year was super cool seeing both teams make it to state. That was one of my favorite videos I got to see on social media was when the final whistle blew and the girls were just over the moon about going to state. Um, what's really gone into the um, the building and the emergence of Lexington on the girls' side of things? Yeah, it all started probably like back in 2015, which was my first year that I joined the staff. I'd reached out to Keith Allen, who's the head coach before I moved here, saying, hey, even if it's a volunteer spot, is there anything I can, you have room, you know, I'd love to come out and help. And that first year we went, um, I think it's eight and 11. And that was the first time we'd ever won more than three games in a year, the program. And uh, so that was like a big, like, whoa, you know, we can do this. If we work hard and coachable and we have good attitudes, you know, you know, things can happen. We might not be the most skilled team with the most, you know, club players. Um, the hard work and good attitude goes a long way. And then we struggled for a couple of years that kind of made some, it just wasn't, we didn't gel very well as a team. And uh, it was, uh, it was a tough environment to, to, to really get everyone to be on the same page. And then girls are around us enough and they kind of understand what we want to do as a culture on, you know, self-respect, team respect, um, and working hard for each other. And that's when it really kind of came together in 2019, which was our first winning season ever. And um, that, that was a great, it was a fun year. We made it to a district final. And um, obviously COVID happened 2020. And then our breakout year 2021 and, and things are looking up, you know, for this year as well. Yeah. And like that, that, uh, and that's really cool to hear just to watch a team and, and, and for the girls to experience, cause maybe they were playing soccer when they were younger and they were seeing a team that wasn't getting, having as much success, but now even going forward, when they get to come back to Lexington um, or if they run into other people who are from Lexington, they can always say like, Hey, like we got to be a part of as things started to get better and, and look where the program's at now. Um, what are some things that Lexington on the boys and girls side um, has started doing to really like foster um, soccer in the community, both maybe on the school side of things, but also outside on the club side of things. Yeah, we have a field house that we call it the Lexington Fieldhouse. We have an indoor facility here. Um, it's not quite a full-size field, but it's a facility where, you know, for our really windy days, bad weather, we can get into. And um, we've started up, there, there's a men's league um, with relegation, you know, oh, here in geez. town. I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, and, that, and that's also, uh, in the summer months, they also play outside as well on our game fields that we have. Um, and there's like youth teams, you know, the high school teams, like they put a team in and they're playing against their dad on the other side. So that's, you know, that's pretty cool. Um, and then a couple of years ago, we started up a women's league and we got, you know, girls teams from North Platte, from Hastings, from Carney. Awesome. Um, and then plus, you know, we, you know, have our teams here from Lexington as well. And just giving people the opportunity to play as much as they can throughout the year um, has really helped. I think just kind of grow both programs. It kind of just brings everyone together. Um, you know, there's times where moms are playing with their daughters or against their daughters. And on, on the boys' <laughs> side, it's usually just always boys versus their dads. Um, but I mean, these are like, I mean, this is good competitive soccer out here. And um, it's, uh, it, it's pretty fun to be around. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then there's another piece that we were talking about off air that was kind of that's that I grew up with. So I'm used to. Um, and that's the kind of the addition and the coming up of junior high soccer that some of the the more rural communities are starting to get started. Like, I think that junior high soccer may not have a place necessarily in the metro area just because clubs are so well established. There's so many other resources and, 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 uh, and players have the ability and families have the ability to make it work. But um, junior high soccer and some of these other communities can be a big time program builder. Um, I don't know what you're seeing on your end with uh, the Lexington uh, junior high programs, but talk about kind of the, could you talk about how that got started and where that's headed? Yeah, I think that conversation started probably about four or five years ago about um, can we do middle school soccer and what would it take to get it started? And our athletic director, our athletic director, Phil Truax, um, he, I mean, he was awesome and getting this, you know, just going for us and with the help of the Lexington Booster Club, um, we have, you know, multiple games a year now. They have uh, like brand new jerseys they just got, like what do we need, you know, balls, like whatever it was they needed, you know, they got for them. And now we have uh, Amanda Carter coaches the girls for us. And she actually has a couple assistant coaches that were girls that I've even coached here at high school that have come back. I'm like, you know, I want to help coach. I want to help build this. That's program. so awesome. And um, so they're, you know, they had a really great showing against yesterday. Create a lot of first time games for a lot of girls, like never played soccer before. And they, they all had a good time. It was, I went up and I watched the middle schoolers play yesterday while our reserve game was going on, just to kind of see, you know, what was going on and, and even parents were, what does offsides mean? And how aggressive can our girls be? And, you know, like had all these questions about what they could do on the field and tried to explain like what the girls were supposed to be doing. So it was like, you know, we're getting more parents involved, which is really going to help build that program as well. Yeah. And it's exciting that they, they're open to learning and, and the players want to play. I think that uh, when I was living in Wayne, we had a rec program and like the numbers were really good for rec, but we didn't have anything past sixth grade. And the junior high time is such a key time to get kids involved in activities and stuff. And if you miss out on that time, sometimes they don't come back or they don't come out for high school soccer. It's kind of like a good introduction period. So I think that's another uh, positive thing for that as well. Um, you kind of, we've mentioned it a couple of times, but yesterday um, on Saturday, the Crete the entire Crete boys program, junior high, reserve, JV, all that um, varsity all went to Lexington um, for the boys games. And then you all did the reverse, the Lexington girls programs all went to Crete. Um, what kind of went into that planning and, and, and how did that all uh, transpire and come about? Yeah, I, I wasn't really too much part of that planning, but there was, I know there was a lot of conversations between Keith and and Phil and the administration over there at Crete. And we'd never had a reserve game. So that was uh, something that Keith really sat down and, you know, we have to limit the three halves to our players. Right. We, 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 we only played our varsity game with like four or five subs. Um, so, and usually we run some bigger lines just to give our girls some rest, especially on a long day in the sun. Yep. And um, it, it was, a, it was a little bit of a battle to figure out who could play you know, in what half and make sure we didn't go over that three halves. We didn't even have refs for the first half of the reserve game. Uh, myself and the Creek coach refed a two-man. We were the two-man crew for the <laughs> beginning of the reserve game. Um, so that was pretty interesting. I haven't refed a game in an extremely long time. So um, it, 
it was a big undertaking by both administrations, but it, I mean, all in all was pretty flawless and uh, it was a fun, great day for everyone involved. Yeah. And then it, it seemed like it on just on social media, just a lot of firsts and a lot of um, honestly, almost like community building as well, not just within your programs, but like between the two programs. Um, let's, let's get into more of the Lexington Girls High School specifically. Obviously a really, really good year last year. Um, how, how's this year going? Um, who, are, like, who are some key players that have stood out early, early on in this year for you? Um, yeah, this year I think it's been more about um we need we couldn't we can't do what we did last year last year wasn't good enough we won a lot of games and we had a pretty successful year but norris dominated us the state so um we did to just kind of self-reflect and build up each other as a team there's been every single person on our team has really like stepped up um obviously when you look at when you look at stats like key players you know sit lolly prado renice garcia valeria perez um you know they score goals, they get assists, you know, that's easy to see, you know, like these people are great players and everyone knows that the stats are there. Um, when you look at people that don't get like the stats, um, Marlene Vargas is uh, a sophomore. She played center back, started for us last year on our defensive line, did a great job. Um, she's in a new role this year and she's made uh, a lot of offseason progress, smart, comfortable on the ball. Um, Arlie Ortiz, uh, Venus Sanchez and Arlene Munoz are all of our uh, defenders and we've asked them to do a lot this year um, you know better controlling the ball and um, not just play defense and that's it um, they've really been the start of our offense this year um, uh, Brieth um, she's been doing probably this is her best year she's a, a senior um, she's got some schools looking at her and she's in the center of the field working her butt off um, so it, it's been a really fun group to be around so far this year Okay. And how's the, what's the goalkeeper situation? Like, I know you lost, uh, I, I believe you had a really solid goalkeeper last year who graduated, um, was, it was got some, got some all state, um, mentions and stuff like that. What, what's the goalkeeper situation like, uh, out in Lexington for you now? Yeah. Uh, so we, yeah, we lost Alyssa. I think Alyssa Winder, she was arguably the best goalkeeper in the state last year. And unfortunately we're out in Lexington and no one comes out here to see our games, but she is, a the saves that she made were at, just out of this world last year. Um, but this year we basically have all brand new goalkeepers. Um, Natasha Sandoval has won the starting job for, um, for varsity. Um, not a lot of experience, um, good size, great attitude. Um, and she's learning and getting better every game. Um, super coachable. And that, and that just goes a long way. Attitude and working hard yeah. and, and we'll get results. Yeah, just yeah, as a player, just to have, uh, you know, the ability to work hard and, and have a good attitude, but especially as a goalkeeper, because a goalkeeper can be a pretty thankless job. And to if you have good size and, and a good attitude and want to learn, like the the improvements can be made there. So it's, it's good to good to hear. I, I look forward to seeing her growth. Um, what are some things that people you know i'm in i live in the omaha area i know i talked off air like i do want to get out to lexington because it's someplace i had never been in the state what do, what are what are some things or a thing that uh maybe people in the omaha lincoln or metro areas or maybe other areas around the state don't know about lexington don't know about the soccer community and the soccer culture out there 
Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of a kind of a tough question. Um, you know, everything's pretty tight knit here. Um, I mean, almost all of our successes that we have out here are from volunteers. Um, we don't we don't have that club structure. Um, Nebraska State Soccer has been great working with us, um, and Rebecca, who's our club president at Unifoot, um, she's been instrumental in you know getting instructors out here for our coaches to get licensed, or, and you know that's been a huge asset that I don't think our community, even here in Lexington, truly understands that our club coaches are licensed. Um, they get trained. This isn't just like someone watched a YouTube video or something or, you know, to figure out what offsides is. I mean, these are like really good coaches out here who really understand the game and and, and want to build up, you know, not even the, just like the players, like just skill set, but just the, you know, the players as a person, um, you know, and to continue that, you know, work ethic. Yeah. And, and, and so you've talked about it a couple of times and we've talked a lot of soccer stuff. What are some, what are some things about the Lexington high school girls, like team culture that you all really like, maybe like mantras or mottos or, or just like team like guidelines that you all try and strive to coach by and play by and live by. Yeah. It's, you know, you can you know say pretty simple, just do your job. You know, we do a lot of self individual reflection on film. Um, we do a lot of individual correction. You know, we'll look at, you know, yes, it's a team sport and there's 11 people of us out there. But if one person doesn't do their job, we can't get the ball out of the back or we can't find the pass in the final third or, you know, someone doesn't get back and fill their gap on, you know, a defensive transition. And that's where we find holes. And that one mistake that that one person makes can be, you know, pretty detrimental or leads to a goal. And we continue to... Um, really just do a lot of individual self-reflection and, and correct little things every single game, every little bit of practice with each individual girl. And um, they all have a great attitude with it. No one knows that we're like attacking them personally. They know that we're here to help them make, be make them better. Um, and it, over the past three games, I couldn't have asked for any more. This has been the best soccer that I have ever seen come from a girls team in a very long time. Um, obviously like, you know, the powerhouses play some great soccer, but out of Lexington, this is, it's been really fun to watch. Yeah. And, and, and you've, you've pushed some, some tough teams, uh, all the way. I mean, even, you know, like we were messaging back and forth. It was almost, uh, almost, almost, you almost clipped North Platte there, which would have been a, which would have been a big, uh, win in the history of Lexington girls soccer. Um, and it's good to hear that even early in the season, things are building well and hopefully looking good for the future. Um, one last question before I let you go, a little bit not soccer related, just because I see it on social media from the boys program a lot um, when they're convincing, trying to convince people to come out there and play them and play you all. Um, I, I don't take, need a lot of convincing. Like you tell me soccer and then tacos and I'm, I'm in. Um, what's, the best, what's the best spot? When I get out to Lexington, hopefully next year, where, where do I, where's a, at least one or two must stop spots? Cause I can go two different places. Yeah, that could be a big um, civil war starter out here. Uh, <laughs> we got a, we got a lot of great places to hit up. Um, you know, you get on, you know, online, you look at reviews. Uh, Los Jalapenos is the, is the closest place to the interstate really to stop. That's great. Um, Takiera Max is pretty fantastic. Um, 
Hacienda's good. You know, I, I'm not answering that question. There's not a best two spots. <laughs> that's, I'm gonna, that's safe. That's I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to start a fight. You, you hit up a taco shop here in town or a taco truck. Um, you're going to, it's going to be pretty good. You know, one thing that people don't know we have out here is even like a Pusas. And uh, there's a Pusaria here in town, right across the street from the high school. You know, you hit up a taco shop and hit up that place and, and you'll be all right. All right. That actually that, that's a smart that's a smart play. We don't need to we don't need to cause any strife in the in the community. Um well Jesse, thanks for joining me today. Uh thanks for joining Nebraska Soccer Talk and thanks for supporting Nebraska Soccer Talk. Uh we want to try and support, you know, all communities, all soccer programs, even the ones that obviously I'm in the Omaha area and it's hard for me to get not just to Lexington, but to the North Platts and the Carneys and the Columbuses and and Norfolk's at times. But uh we also want to give the uh shine the light on um you guys and we appreciate the mutual support back because i think that's how we continue to grow the game in our state and i i do truly believe that we have a really cool soccer community um not just in pockets of the state but the entire state as a whole so thank you for the support and thanks for coming on today yeah thank you a lot um we really appreciate all the coverage and support that you give us so uh, no one know much about us out here if it wasn't for you guys so we really appreciate it a big thank you to coach hall for joining us on this week's episode of nebraska soccer talk off air we talked a little bit more about the girls program and the lexington club program and it is just very cool what they're doing out there for uh, their players and their families and i wanted to touch on a couple things First, they utilize video and stats breakdowns for their games, which I know teams do here in the metro area as well. Um, but it's awesome to see that it's a little bit more wide-reaching than uh, just, you know, sometimes the teams that have the resources or a lot of coaches. Uh, coaches, if you are able to do so, video is an excellent to tool for learning for your high school players, uh, even if they're able to watch it out of season. And it's kind of going the extra mile for them. Uh, the second thing that we talked about in the interview, and I just wanted to clarify my thoughts on this, I don't think junior high soccer necessarily has a place in the metro areas of Nebraska, like your Omaha's and Lincoln's. Um, the clubs have established pretty good uh, opportunities for both recreational and competitive players at different levels. And I think it would be just a hard start in areas like Omaha and Lincoln. However, I do think in areas outside of Omaha and Lincoln, junior high soccer could be a crucial piece to building the numbers and the competitiveness in some of these towns. I will use an example that I experienced in rural Nebraska. Uh, so I used to coach at Wayne State College. In Wayne, we had a rec soccer program, and it had the most amount of registrants of any rec sport program that Wayne communities, the Wayne Community Center offered. Higher than basketball, volleyball, baseball, et cetera. However, Wayne High School does not offer soccer, and there is no junior high program. So once these kids hit six, after sixth grade, they just stop playing. Um, or they have to drive to Norfolk to drive to play club soccer. And unfortunately, it just ends up being a dead end for uh, for soccer for some of the talented athletes and players. Junior high soccer in rural communities gives a great entry point for young players and families, while also helping instill pride in being able to compete for their community and their schools. I grew up with junior high soccer in North Dakota, and I oversaw a junior high program when I was a head high school coach in North Dakota as well. So if coaches or athletic directors have any questions uh, or would like to talk about it more, definitely reach out to me. Uh, third and finally, I do want to make it out to Lexington and other areas while I do this coverage. Uh, this isn't just about covering the Omaha and Lincoln teams. Um, it'll have to be on the weekends due to my work schedule and, and personal life commitments, but I want to learn more about these different soccer communities. I'm not going to lie, the, the food in Lexington does sound amazing. <laughs>
we made it through the interview and our games of the week before we finish up and and end with the high school talk. Um, I'm going to do a quick recruiting roundup. Nebraska Soccer Talks Recruiting Roundup is brought to you by Sports Recruiting USA. Sports Recruiting USA is the most transparent, personable, and affordable U.S. college soccer recruiting service. Sports Recruiting USA has been advising and helping place student-athletes with college soccer programs since 2010. To learn more about Sports Recruiting USA, visit www.sportsrecruitingusa.com. Olivia Heinert, senior forward for Marion, has committed to Division I Western Illinois University. The WIU Leathernecks compete in the Summit League alongside the likes of South Dakota State and the University of Nebraska Omaha. Heinert, who is currently helping lead the Marion Crusaders to a great opening start to their season, also plays her club soccer for Gretna Elite, Elite Academy's ECNL program. Emma Barnes, a junior goalkeeper for Concordia, has committed to Division I Tarleton State University down in Stephenville, Texas. Tarleton State is not just a new soccer program, they are a new Division I soccer program. Their head coach is one of my former bosses, Pete Quadrado, and the Texans also have a little bit of an Omaha connection in assistant coach Rex Carroll. Carroll spent last season as an assistant for the GEA UWS team. Barnes will be a good addition in goal for the Texans, who compete in the WAC. Barnes also competes for Gretna Elite Academy's ECNL program. The last prep commit I have to announce is Tristan Whitlock, a senior goalkeeper for Lincoln Northeast. He is committed to Division II Upper Iowa University. Whitlock was an honorable mention All-Stater in 2021 for the Rockets, and I believe Whitlock also plays his club soccer for Sting, Nebraska. Finally, our last bit of recruiting news to mention is out of Southeast Community College, and it's about Southeast Community College's Tiago Alfieri Sobral. Alfieri has committed to NAIA program Williams Baptist University down in Arkansas. WBU finished 9-6-2 last season. Alfieri, originally from Brazil, appeared in nine games for the Storm in 2021, starting seven. He notched five goals for the Storm in 2021 as well. Congratulations to all the players moving on to the next steps in their careers. Nebraska Soccer Talks Recruiting Roundup was brought to you by Sports Recruiting USA. Sports Recruiting USA is the most transparent, personable, and affordable U.S. college soccer recruiting service. Sports Recruiting USA has been advising and helping place student-athletes with college soccer programs since 2010. To learn more about Sports Recruiting USA, visit www.sportsrecruitingusa.com. Before we move into the high school talk and finish up the episode, I just want to put out a quick reminder. If you don't have a high school commitment, I would definitely recommend getting tickets to Union Omaha's U.S. Open Cup game against the Des Moines Menace, happening this Tuesday at Morrison Stadium. Our last and final ad break before we finish this episode, and you're going to want to listen to this ad because it does contain a special offer for Nebraska Soccer Talk listeners, and it is one of our newest sponsors. We are excited to announce a new partner in Deer Creek Sports Cantina and Tacos. Not only are they supporting Nebraska Soccer Talk, but they have a special offer for Nebraska Soccer Talk supporters. Deer Creek Sports Cantina and Tacos is located in Northwest Omaha and is a good family-friendly neighborhood hangout. They serve Mexican comfort food with all natural braised and grilled meats, maize tortillas, and salsas made from scratch. They also have a variety of beverages for your enjoyment. Now here's the special offer. If you visit Deer Creek Sports Cantina and Tacos and you mention that you have heard this ad on Nebraska Soccer Talk, you will receive free chips and salsa with your meal and or drinks. A great deal to kick off our partnership together. Deer Creek is located at 12221 Mary Plaza Road, which is right off of 120th and Military. Visit www.deercreeksportscantina.com for menu and hours, and you can also order online there. And remember, when you go in, Tell them Nebraska Soccer Talk sent you. 
All right, a brief overview of the things that stood out to me this week in high school soccer. Long story short, uh, the rankings we came out with almost immediately got set on fire by Monday's game. So good job to all those teams who did that to me. Uh, But let's start with the Class A girls. Marion and Gretna stayed the course and stayed unbeaten. I think Papio pushed Gretna a little more than they were expecting. Um, But I do have an impressive stat for you regarding Marion. If you exclude the district and state tournament games, Marion has not conceded a regular season goal since 4-22-2021 in their 4-1 win over Burke. Over 800 minutes of scoreless regular season soccer. Behind Marion and Gretna, there was a little bit of craziness, similar to what's been happening on the Class A boys' side. Lincoln Southeast had themselves a great week, staying unbeaten with big wins over Columbus and Lincoln East. If the Knights can get by Pius tomorrow... They're going to be sitting really good, and they're going to be really happy with their start to the season. Elkhorn South also had themselves a great week, beating Millard West, Westside, and Papio. They are also unbeaten. So good job uh, by the Storm, starting off 7-0, I believe. Lincoln Southwest bounced back from their Lincoln Southeast loss, squeaking by Pius. Pius showing they're still very formidable and earning and deserving of the top 10 ranking they received. Nord North had the toughest week of the top 10 teams. Obviously a tough schedule, but they lost to Marion, Westside, and Lincoln East. Um, the last two goal games were one-goal games, but just a tough week overall for the Mustangs. Um, a lot of interesting results heading into the Metro Tournament this week. There's going to be more than likely going to be a shakeup in the rankings, not just in the Class A girls, but for everyone moving forward. Over to the complete craziness of the boys' side, which continues to be nuts. Prep stayed unbeaten by beating South pretty bad. And that has a lot of people asking questions about the Packers now going forward this year, uh, me being one of those people. So it'll be interesting to see how they perform. Uh, Lincoln South West, though, losing to Lincoln Southeast or Lincoln East does not help their case to move ahead of the Packers, though, at this point. Gretna had a close call with Omaha Central going down 2-0, but then storming back to win 3-2. Well, Westside did get pushed all the way by Elkhorn South, um, but they still came out victorious and have been chugging along, racking up victories. I still feel confident about the top five in Class A boys, but I'm not as confident in Omaha South after what I saw on Monday. Um, But I'm still open to having my mind changed when I see them later this year. Uh, They still have some talented pieces, though, including Edwin Cisneros, so you can't rule them out. Honestly, though, now that I've said that I'm comfortable at the top five, I'm sure something's going to happen in the Metro Tournament this week to make me look uh, foolish, but that's okay. After the top five, Lincoln East had a tough week, losing to Lincoln Southeast and Millard North. The Spartans were probably feeling pretty good after beating Lincoln Southwest, but the two losses this week might have brought them back down to earth a little bit. Lincoln Southeast were a little all over the place, beating East before losing to Columbus in the same week. Uh, Moving back over to Omaha, Elkhorn South continues to be the cardiac kids on the boys' side, making their coaches, parents, and fans stress through overtimes and penalty kick shootouts. I, I get... I get tweets from their parents. It's really funny when up oh, another overtime and uh, they did beat Millard South this week, uh, giving the Patriots their third loss on the season. So that's, that's a tough break for the Millard South Patriots. Uh, Papillion La Vista South saw their unbeaten run come to an end at the hands of highly ranked class B Scott Catholic, a pretty impressive win for the Skyhawks, to be honest. And then as far as unranked teams go, Brian losing to Lincoln high was a pretty big upset for me. I, I, I that kind of shocked me more than anything this week. While Columbus, a team that I just do not know a ton about, continues to make noise and pushing for a spot in the top 10 with their only loss being to Lincoln Southwest, and I think it was a 1-0 loss. 
down to the Class B girls. Scott Catholic dropped a game to Class A Millard West. I still consider the Skyhawks top of the pack in Class B despite the two losses on their record because they're both the Class A teams. Norris bounced back from losing to Class A Pius last week with a big win over Elkhorn. This sets up a hugely important week for the Titans with Waverly and Ron Colley on the schedule. Waverly is another one-loss team, so we'll see how that game goes. Uh, Lincoln Lutheran Raymond Central and Duchenne kept their seasons heading in a good direction with big wins this week over their opponents, and SCOTUS girls answered some questions with a solid three-week win, including a big win over Blair. The Rocks and LLRC face off this week, so another big Class B matchup this week. All credit to Elkhorn. The Antlers suffered losses, like a big loss to Norris and, and then a more normal loss to Bennington, but they bounced back nicely to score a big win in the rivalry game over Elkhorn North. Uh, the Wolves now fall to 2-2 two and two on the season while the Antlers are 4-2. Uh, Waverly girls beat Beatrice. Uh, and we talked about the importance of their upcoming matchup versus Norris. Blair had their nice little three-game win streak ended by SCOTUS. The Bears were coming to the end of a tough stretch of games, and I still think they are a team that matters in the discussion for the top 10. After dropping two of their first three, Bennington has now reeled off five straight Ws. But they have a tougher of games coming up this week with Class A Columbus and North Platte on the schedule, as well as a game against Elkhorn North. If Bennington comes through with three straight wins, they're going to soar up the rankings. Scott's Bluff got beat pretty handily by Class A North Platte, I think 6-0. But then they bounced back and downed uh, Grand Island Northwest 4-2. And Grand Island Northwest was a team to watch for us in girls. So that's a that's a pretty good win for, for the Bearcats. Um in Class B, uh, the top two to three teams look pretty solid, um, but I still have a lot of questions on who's going to make up the rest of the state tournament field here at the end of the season. Finally, over to Class B boys. Uh, Lexington boys have now reeled off six straight wins after starting 0-2 when they lost to Papio South and Westside to open the season, and I'm patiently awaiting their game against Scott's Bluff this Friday. Um, Scott might be the best 3-3 three and three boys team in the state, A or B. Uh, they scored a big confidence-boosting win over previously undefeated Class A Papio South. They have more Class A opponents in Millard, in Millard West and Lincoln Southwest this week. Uh, Scott has a super tough schedule this year, actually. Um, Bennington boys keep cruising undefeated and not looking to lose anytime soon. Um, but Grand Island Northwest, on the other hand, fell from the ranks of the undefeated after losing to Scott's Bluff. Um, so the boys and the girls had a tough, uh, tough weekend against Scott's Bluff. SCOTUS boys replicated their girls' efforts, getting a huge win over Blair and a nice win over Lakeview. The Rocks needed both of those. South Sioux City sits at 4-3, and three, but all three losses are to some of the strongest teams in the state, so they've lost to Lexington, Prep, and Omaha South. Uh, it's a tough... I, I don't really know how to uh, feel about South Sioux City. It's tough for me to judge them, but... I might be able to get out and see them play next week when they travel down to Omaha to play Millard West. The Waverly boys continue to roll, making uh, they're six and zero, oh, uh, so making a lot of noise in Class B. Great start for the Vikings, uh, and I look forward to seeing them play as well on the field. Elkhorn North bounced back after their loss to Waverly with two shutout wins. Uh, we will see them uh, this week against Bennington, like I said earlier in the episode. Ralston suffered their first loss of the season to the Platte. But Blair had the toughest week of all the top 10 teams, losing twice to both Elkhorn North and SCOTUS. Scott's Bluff, The Platte, and Nebraska City are all doing enough to be on my radar uh, moving forward. 
that was a quick version of your high school roundup of the top 10. Uh, if you want more in depth, I do get more in depth in my uh, game notes when I send out those. Um, and I look forward to getting updated rankings to you next on next week's podcast. Hopefully I don't have to throw them out uh, a day after the release like I did uh, this week. Thank you to Deer Creek Sports Cantina and Tacos for joining our Nebraska Soccer Talk team. Make sure you to hit up Deer Creek Sports Cantina and Tacos for great food, beverages, and an atmosphere. Remember to tell them Nebraska Soccer Talk sent you. Deer Creek Sports Cantina and Tacos is located off of 120th and Military. It's a great spot for fans to grab a pregame snack and beverage or for players, parents, and fans to grab a postgame meal. Thank you for listening to Nebraska Soccer Talk. As a reminder, if you become a supporter, you get early and exclusive content. This week's content is going to be a preview of the Boys and Girls Metro tournaments, as well as the usual game notes that you'll get after the games of the week. To support Nebraska Soccer Talk, follow us on Twitter and tell others to do the same. And make sure you interact with us. Uh, tag us in things. Uh, comment on things. We, we love that. So rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast. Visit our Patreon to become a patron at www.patreon.com slash Nebraska underscore talk or our Venmo at www.venmo.com slash Nebraska underscore talk. Before I let you go, I do want to give two quick shout outs. First to the Fremont Tigers boys soccer program. They had a successful weekend this weekend beating Conestoga before getting a win over a tough Benson side. The Benson game sounded like an instant classic. They played these games at Morrison Stadium, which was probably a pretty cool experience for, for the boys and the programs. Anyways, congratulations to the Fremont Tigers and congratulations to Coach Sean Murphy for his 100th win as a head coach. Second, to, a shout out to the Omaha Kings, players, coaches, and ownership on their successful playoff win over the Wichita Wings in the Midwest Division playoffs. The Kings are one of the best MASL2 teams in the country and head to the MASL2 semifinal playoffs in the coming weeks. Congratulations to the Kings. They have a lot of local players or players that spent time at local colleges in Nebraska, so make sure you're supporting them, and we can't wait to see you back in Omaha. That's all for this week. Good luck this week to all teams. Play hard and stay healthy. Join me back here next week for more Nebraska Soccer Talk.